0: Hey ladies, not sure if you're aware, but the month of April is Alcohol Awareness Month. So I did a little digging and just started Googling and just looking at some facts and things like that, that I thought could be helpful to talk about just as a reminder of really the truth about alcohol, how it affects us and really understanding where we are in relationship to alcohol. Because We know that this is a substance that some people just drink on occasion and it's no big deal. But I guarantee if you're here and you're listening, there is a bit more of a deeper relationship that you have with alcohol that you may be questioning, that you may be curious about, and you may be wondering what's next for you. So if that's it, for sure, you can always work with me one-on-one. I have two spots available starting this summer. Or you can come on in to the group coaching program that I do to just help you just that, like really discover your relationship with it, get control of it, create healthy routines and make changes in your life. And um, I need to hear from you though, because I have also put a poll into the Set Free Sisterhood Facebook group because I want to do it in June. But if you guys don't want to do it in June, then I want to wait. So I'm asking you, so I need your help. This is something that you're like, yes, it's easier for me in the summertime. I'm more flexible. I can take that lunch hour on a Monday when my kids are doing whatever they're doing. Or if it's the opposite, like no way, I can't make that work, whatever. I need to hear from you and kind of know, is this something you're interested in starting in the summer or, or what? Email me at Coach Porterfield at gmail.com. I need to hear your input. Or you can even shoot me a direct message on Instagram at Coach Michelle. Cool? And listen up. Enjoy the show. Hey sister, are you newly alcohol-free that you've been hanging on for dear life, hoping you don't fall backward? Or maybe you're still stuck in the cycle of overdrinking, even when you told yourself you would stop, waking up each day with thoughts of self-loathing? Is your anxiety through the roof so much that you wake up at 3am with your heart racing and negative thoughts about yourself? You hide it so well, not many people know. Girl, I get you, and I see you. I'm Michelle Porterfield, and for so many years, I experienced all of this. Here's the deal. Quitting drinking is just the first step. I believe that's why it can be so scary. We know deep down it's more. Once we see what's underneath all the covering up, true freedom is found. And I'm here to help you do just that. So whether you're newly alcohol-free or just sober curious, there is freedom on the other side. I can't wait to help you ditch the wine witch or help you find your mindset breakthrough and reignite your purpose after alcohol. Girlfriend, you are in the right place. Welcome to Set Free Sisterhood. I have done an episode in the past that did talk about the different facts about alcohol, but I I thought it would be perfect timing as April is Alcohol Awareness Month just to talk about some. And this is not all, this is not an exhausted list, but some that I feel like that... It just kind of helps us raise a little bit more awareness because alcohol use is the third leading cause of preventable death in the United States. That's pretty high up there. And the fact that we're using the word preventable. Okay. This is not something that is just a huge medical disease or something that happens. You know what? I didn't even look to see what the first two were. Um, I just was like, wow, number three, that's a big deal. So here's some facts about it. Just, I just want to share. There's a lot of conversation right now in the opioid crisis and there has been, and it's a huge deal and it's making headlines. But what happens is a lot of times then alcohol that can cause huge health problems and heartache it kind of flies under the radar, and this is something now that more and more people are talking about, especially this month as where we are raising awareness. So according to the National Institute of Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism, most adults in the United States who drink alcohol drink moderately and without complications. At the same time, alcohol-related problems are among the most significant Public health issues in the country. Now, let me just put a little asterisk in this, if you if you will. Depending on where they are, they're surveying or pulling their information. When we're speaking about drinking moderately, like most people drink without complication. First of all, let's go a little deeper into what does that even mean. You know, we've talked about before that even more than I think it's seven glasses. I mean, you could literally have one six ounce per day, and I still am a firm believer in a woman's body that that is, and you can find it somewhere, I don't even remember which episode it is, I'm sorry for not um, pulling that up for you, but just the information of like really what is truly, what is truly drinking, and moderately, what's uh, excessively, and things like that, and I just remember when I read it, I was like, good grief, I'm on the other end. I was drinking a bottle a day, sometimes a bottle and a half, but see here's the deal. No no one knew I had complications, so where is this information coming from? And what does complications even mean? Like if this information is saying, "Hey, a bunch of people drink out there." not a lot of them have complications, but this is a public health issue. Well, I'm here to say that I believe that number is way higher because we do. We're just the high performing women who's just going with the flow that's stuck in our lives, you know, not happy, pretty, pretty so-so and we're in this cycle and we're staying stuck and the complications are silent and they are the underneath, the hidden, the what's going on inside of our bodies. What is happening to our liver? What is happening to our um, increased chance of getting cancer? What's happening in our relationships, our parenting? Like you may not see a complication of us drinking and driving. And there may some be some of you here that do. Maybe you have had a DUI. Maybe you have had a a relationship fall apart. Maybe you have had serious issues and that's okay because you're here and you're obviously at a place where you're really wanting to walk through that. But there are so many who fly under the radar and I am one of those and you would never I mean, I could have gone deeper and I could have made choices, but I had just enough handle on it to where you wouldn't say Michelle had a, like a huge problem. It was a problem for me because I was putting it before everything else in my life. And then it began to become an idol. And then it just, it had me sucked in. And next thing you know, I'm like anxious and depressed and you've all heard my story. So how are we labeling complicated is basically what I'm saying. Okay. Back to the list. About 95,000 Americans die from alcohol-related causes annually. Now that's a big number. Alcohol makes the use of some medications and other substances more dangerous. So we know this, right? So like I said before, they're bringing up the opioid epidemic again. But most overdose deaths, it involves more than one substance. And I know you've heard this, right? It was usually a combination. And here's a big one. Benzos or opioids and alcohol can intensify the drug's effect and lead to overdose. I know people personally that have lost a loved one for this reason. And I guarantee if it was just the alcohol by itself, maybe probably, hopefully there would have been some, you know, vomiting, things like that to where sickness came and they had to go detox. But when you put these other drugs that sort of make you pass out and they, and they're a little bit uh, stronger, right? They just, they just die. They quit breathing. They, their body cannot exist. Their heart cannot continue to go on. So this is a big deal because let me just tell you real quick as I'm kind of reading through this, that happened to me. I don't know if I ever told you that, but I was in a season of my life where I was waking up in the middle of the night with my heart racing extreme. Like one night it would not calm down. Like I I could most of the time, get up, move around, have a snack, do some breathing. Um, It wasn't near, I mean, I didn't have the tools I have today. Let's just get real clear because now I can, you know, I wake up sometimes with a noise and my heart's racing and I know how to, to get my neurology calm back down. But I didn't, I didn't have a lot of tools back then, but I knew that breathing and moving and really changing my mind. Like I try to shift my mind off of the heart racing, right? We're trying to, we realize, oh my gosh, I'm beginning to panic. Well, there was one night it would not calm down. Like My body had decided, it had said e- enough's enough, and it just was constantly at a high heart rate, which was super uncomfortable. So clearly I didn't sleep. I couldn't sleep with that level of a heart rate. So the next day, I actually went into an urgent care, had a conversation. This is happening. I'm waking up anxious, all these things. Guess what he prescribed? But a benzo. And never did he have a conversation around alcohol. Never did I open up and tell the truth about alcohol. And what I came to learn was after that day, um, I think I took one the next day during the day because I wasn't going to drink anyway, but I just felt like I needed something to calm me down. And then I started looking into it and I saw this research and I saw where people had died drinking and taking those because of how it slows your heart rate down when you take those that I flushed them down the toilet and that was beginning. I can't tell you what month that was and how that was connected to the day I finally quit, but I know that that was a piece in the puzzle because I, when I realized that, hmm, Michelle, are we really here? Are we in this place where you know that you know that you're drinking too much last night, caused you to have anxiety, your body's doing what God designed it to do, to flush out the toxin and your heart is on high rate, and you're trying to find some sort of like band-aid to deal with it, but then you also have enough. There's that other part of you that really can see like this is a big deal. Don't you dare drink and take that together. Thank goodness I had the ability to get that knowledge, and I knew right away that just wasn't for me, right? So I thought I would share that with you because that's a pretty that's a pretty vulnerable piece of my story that, you know, I haven't always shared every little thing about when I hadn't had a, there's not enough airtime yet (laughs) to share you everything. And then it's also Holy Spirit led, like, what does he want me to share with you? What is, what do I feel like is going to be super helpful for you? Because what I do know is that we, you and me, the women who are part of this show, most of us have some sort of either faith, curiosity, you've had some history in the church, you know who Jesus is, you have, you know, you know ish God and this whole thing, but you know that you're being pulled, right? You know there's something about this faith that you're interested in. And you like you're awesome. You you're a butt kicker. You you do your thing and you're raising kids and you're married and you're trying to be the wife and be the woman and and be this awesome Your career's probably pretty good. There's a lot of us have really good careers. There's some of us that really struggle, right? I know that, I know that when I say these things, this is not everyone who listens, but you are driving down the road right now and probably listening, or you're doing duties in your house and probably listening. Like you are not what the world would say is an alcoholic. You don't have a full blown addiction to where you need to go to rehab. I just don't believe that that's who listens to my podcast. Maybe, maybe there's a few of you, but that's the thing that I have to share these stories with you because I didn't, I didn't need to go to rehab. I needed to surrender and I needed to do one day at a time and I needed to do the steps and do the growth and get to where I am now so that I can help you and hold your hand. Okay. So. Another statement in the facts was, American drinking is on the rise. Duh. <laughs> the stress of COVID-19 pa- pandemic has led to more drinking, especially binge drinking, which means having four to five more drinks on a single occasion. So here's one of those stats that I, I kind of like, whoa, I guess I binge drink every day then. Because you know that in a, in a bottle of wine, there's at least four glasses, maybe five in the bottle, depending on what are we, what are we calling ounces, Right. So I guess I was a binge drinker because I drink a bottle most, most every day. So, but I know this. I saw the alcohol sales go up in, during the pandemic. I heard from you in other conversations and in other groups like, oh my gosh, I was doing okay. And then this happened and now I'm drinking. And there were new people into it. that maybe they were just drinking on occasion. But when they found themselves at home under fear, stress, the kids everywhere, maybe some financial difficulty, just not being able to do what we're normally doing and connect with other humans. This became a huge issue. As much as 21% of an increase that America's increased their excessive drinking. So, this is big when you think about we're talking about Americans, right? Now, not to mention our friends over in the UK because i've had conversations with them and it was cultural i mean it was a thing since they were 12 and 13. a lot of a lot of the conversations i've had is like you know i was introduced to it young it's just part of our culture drinking was everywhere it was a little bit different especially in my my state of south carolina very southern state that wasn't the case at all i had to hide and sneak out when i was a you know 16 17 right So, if you you factor that in and these people in other countries, like, this is a huge issue. I know their numbers are, are high, too. I'm curious to see what that would be. And then accidents related to alcohol use are among the leading causes of death for teens. So, Same thing. We've had conversations about teens before and how drinking as a teenager develops up into your, um, later in life. So that was my story as well. Like that, I started, um, just dabbling in about maybe 14, 15, you know, just kind of those couple events. And then later on a little bit more and, but how it really affects their brains developmentally decision-making, right? Obviously it gets to their brains a lot faster and it affects them more. And then um, what that looks like later on in life. Okay. So moving on, this is what I wanted to share with you that I thought was really a big deal. So as I was researching, you know, I've always loved, we always love quizzes, right? And a lot of people ask me when I go on their show, like, how do you know, like, how does women know if they have a problem with alcohol? And like, you know, how they know they need to consider a a different relationship. And I've, I've said things like, well, if you're listening to this show and you're still here and you're thinking, hmm, that might be me, then that's an obvious one. You know, I kind of make a, make a little pun out of that because it's true because people wouldn't listen if this wasn't for them. Like there's not someone listening to this show unless they just think that, oh, I'm going to check it out because my friend told me to, and this is their first episode. And, um, or maybe there's someone that just, Really loves me and my family, and just decided to catch an episode. Otherwise, they're not, they're not listening. Okay. So that's a big one that I always say. And then just really kind of like that relationship. Like, do you think about it a lot? Like, how much time do you spend thinking about it? How much time do you spend drinking? Thinking about drinking? Negotiating your drinking? Is it does it spend? Do you spend a lot of time doing that? You know, are you at work? Kind of like navigating your evening and what that looks like? Do you plan parties and get-togethers around it? Like just kind of those conversations. But I found a list when I was looking. Of it was called "It's Time to Get Help" questions. Okay. And I just want to share with you that I'm pretty darn sure that it's time to get help based on this scale if you're here listening because I was like, wow, this is this is this is a really good scenario, right? Because they had it in like if you're if you checked off 2 to 3, then maybe you have a mild case of needing support. I think 4 to 5 was medium and then so on. So just listen to these, okay? I don't know how many there are, I didn't count. All right. Some, to let you know, it's time to get help questions. Are you taking the substance in larger amounts for longer than intended? Ah, yeah, like every single night or weekend. Are you wanting to cut down or stop using the substance but not able to? Okay, is that you? Is that why you're here? spending a lot of time getting or using or recovering from the use of the stu- substance, right? So here's the time factor, getting, you know, do you pay attention to like making sure you're running by the store, checking how many, what you have left in the cabinet. See, I was one that I was, had to be a little more sneaky about it, right? Um, to where like, I didn't have this huge like wine cellar or wine cabinet because no one else in the house drank but me. So as it wasn't like I could, you know, my husband... And I was doing this thing together, right? So I sometimes just would have to keep two at a time. Um, And then you are spending a lot of time actually using, or in this case, just drinking or recovering. Like literally, like that means like feeling like crap. The hangovers, the conversations to yourself. And a hangover doesn't have to be, um, I went out as a college kid and totally binged. It means like that day-to-day that I was experiencing, and I know that you experience of like, ugh, oh God, I just feel like crap today. I'm sluggish getting up. My head hurts. It feels foggy. My eyes are dry. My mouth's dry. I know my breath has to stink. And here we go again. And you're just kind of moody and just like, don't talk to me. I got to have my coffee. It could be just that, right? Next, a craving or a strong desire or urge to use the substance. Raise your hand urge. We all have the urge. <laughs> all right, so everybody needs to check that one off. Not managing to, f- to fulfill obligations at work, home, or school because of the substance you use. This one may be on the fence. Maybe you were like me most of the time where you were just like, that's the thing. You're here and you're like, oh no, I got my crap together. i make it happen. But what I can also say about this one is there were times I called out of work because I felt too crappy Or I was uh, talking crap to myself and I was self-loathing and I just couldn't give any more to my clients. I had not taken care of myself, so I couldn't serve them well. So really, I, I didn't do a good job sometimes managing that. Next, continuing to use the substance even when it's causing social or interpersonal problems. Is it a problem inside of your relationship, basically, or with your children? Giving up important social, occupational, or recreational activities because of the substance use. Mm, Same. There was times where I just chose not to go out and do things. I stayed more isolated. Using the substance again and again, even when in situations in which it is physically dangerous. Mm, Maybe. I don't know. Is that you? Continuing to use the substance even when it causes physical... Or psychological problems needing more of the substance to get the same effect. Tolerance, raise our hand again. That is just the nature of any substance, especially alcohol. We have to go bigger, go more to get that same stay, that staying power. Right? We've talked about the dopamine and what it takes. We do build a tolerance. I mean, there's no way I could have drank that much wine if I hadn't built a tolerance day one or day 100 or whoever, year, year three, I wasn't drinking a bottle a day because then not have the tolerance. I built up to that. And the last one is developing of uh, withdrawal symptoms, which can be relieved by taking more of the substance. Um, I think that one's too very much on a scale. You know, I always try to think of these things on a scale. I could look at it on, I could look at this on a smaller scale and say, well, sure, the next night when I came home from work and I was still a little stressed and a little edgy, maybe had a little headache, have a glass of wine. Sure, you feel a lot better because the dopamine hit. But was I waking up needing the substance, needing to drink to get the symptoms to go away? Absolutely not. That was never anything that I walked into. You may have, you may are there now. Um, that's just a different place on the scale. There might need to be some, a little bit more protective measures when you get to the place that you need to remove alcohol. That's the biggest thing is because what, what we want to do is when we start to have this conversation around, okay. I want to work with you. I want to do this program. I want to begin to remove alcohol in a way where I can t- get clarity to know what I want, to see what this relationship looks like, to start making steps to create this healthy, fulfilling life that I want because I know that where I'm at is not where I want to stay. Like this is hard. The new's going to be hard too, but it's going to be much more fulfilling and you'll have a support system, but we also need to make sure that it's safe. And I'm like, again, I'm going to say again, most of you who are here, it is, it is probably going to be safe for you. I just felt like crap. I had headaches. I was moody. I was snappy and edgy with my friends, my family, my coworkers, and we just worked through it, Right but I didn't get sick and I wasn't having detox and things like that, that sometimes there may be a few of you that you might need to do that and that is totally okay. And there's a safe way you can do that, having a conversation with your doctor. Absolutely. It is absolutely possible. And this is bigger and we need to have more of a a relationship um, together to work through this because we are whole. Just remember, we are whole humans. We are not just physical We're not just mental, we're not just emotional, spiritual, we are the whole human. You cannot just treat one part and expect to be fully healed. It does not work, it has never worked, and it it just won't. You have to treat all the parts, and you have to be kind, you have to come with compassion and grace, and you have to surround yourself With the support and the love that you need okay so I hope this helps I hope this opens up some more like aha wow I have a lot more on that list than I thought I did and you know but hey you're here and you realize that the relationships unhealthy so it's time to make a change and this may be an episode that you want to share with someone I don't know it might be someone in your life that you know that needs to hear a little bit more of the hard information so if you have any questions And if you're ready to work with me or you're ready to at least give me some feedback about when you would do a group coaching program, please reach out at coachmichelleporterfield at gmail.com and have a wonderful week. Till next time, stay blessed. Okay, girlfriend, before you go, if you found value in this podcast and it helped you, please head over to iTunes and leave a review. Every so often, I will read reviews and give shout outs.